0: Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now that you will humble us, that all of us will have soft hearts as we listen to your commands from your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been thinking for quite a while, what am I going to do the last six months that I'm here? Am I going to finish Romans, you know? And I wanted to go to to the Gospel of John. I wanted to go to Jesus. But Stephen Baker said, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, you're not going to preach Romans 13? No, 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 no. Well, you know, Stephen is never in doubt, you know. But it weighs with me because I found he's usually right. So then this last week, David Canfield said, you know, Tim's going to finish Romans, right? Well, now we have two Zarathustras spaking. And so when it came to this week, I decided that I would finish Romans. I don't know how long it's going to take. It can't take more than five and a half months. Um, But it is true, as I began to prepare for this sermon, it's very obvious that we need this sermon. And so, let us hear the word of God as it is written in Romans 13, verses 1 to 7. This is the word of God, and it is eternally true. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes." For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. And now... We have arrived today, as you just heard, at the text of Scripture that is most dismissed by Christians in the United States during the past couple years of COVID. Okay. We have arrived at the Scripture that is most dismissed by Christians in the last couple of years of COVID. One friend of mine who's a Nationally known pastor, well known for his scofflaw attitude towards COVID and government health measures taken in response to it, preached a sermon or gave a talk or something, and the title of his sermon was something like, 228 Reasons Why Romans 13 Demands That We Rebel and Protest and Make Ourselves a Nuisance to our governing authorities as a sign of our submission to our governing authorities. Come on, you guys laugh. Do I have to read it to you again? I'll read it to you again. The title of his sermon was 228 reasons why Romans 13 demands that we rebel and protest and make ourselves a nuisance to our governing authorities as a sign of our submission to our governing authorities. Come on, laugh. Come on. Now, I am only being slightly facetious about his subject and his title. And every one of you get my point. It might not have been 228, it might have been 128. Might have been 28. Might have been 18. I know there was an 8 in it. Now, it was interesting that while studying this passage of Scripture, I came across this summary statement by a well known New Testament scholar that he wrote in his commentary on Romans several decades ago. It's probably the most widely used commentary on Romans in the evangelical world. <clears throat> he did not write this in light of or in response to COVID. He didn't even write it in the context of the United States of America, even though that is his context and it's basically Americans who buy his commentary. And this is what he said. Now, this is in the middle of 20 pages of small type. 20 pages of small type on verses 1 to 7 of Romans chapter 13 with, you're ready for this, 97 footnotes, which I read, and he says this, quote, It is only a slight exaggeration to say that the history of the interpretation of Romans 13, 1-7 is the history of attempts to avoid what seems to be its plain meaning. Come on, Laugh! I've often felt that one of the basic problems I have in preaching is that my children have been raised in my home, and therefore they know how often I'm a hypocrite, and they take it in stride. But all of you think that you do everything you think is right, and so you just assume that I do everything I think is right, and You know, we're all fully integrated with our own internal moral compass. And so you don't laugh. Because it's a threat to you to think that you aren't the way you should be. And if you learn something that is something you should be or shouldn't be, your immediate response is, I need to change. And it's true, you do need to change. You need to change on this text this morning. Yeah, that's true. But first, you have to recognize that you're not what it tells you to be. And that just feels so threatening to you. It's like, no, I do it right. No, you don't, you idiot. And that's why I keep exhorting you to laugh, not to have a hard heart towards God and his authority, and his word. But to lighten up your pride enough to recognize your inconsistency. (laughs) You know, we are inconsistent. We are hypocrites. We are not angels from on high. We do not do what we know is right, and we fail to do, and we do do what we know is wrong. That's who we are. And that's who Christians are. And listen we are not handling ourselves well on the issue of submitting it to authority. I keep saying this to you, and you keep getting mad, and we lost a family from our church over this. Of course, that's not what they would say. (laughs) And it's like, okay, guys, can we come to the Bible and admit we hate what it says this morning? Listen to what Calvin says about this text. He says, about this text, he says, there are always some restless spirits, there are always some restless spirits who believe that the kingdom of Christ is properly exalted only when all earthly powers are abolished. and that they can enjoy the liberty which he has given them only if they have shaken off every yoke of human slavery. <laughs> this is what Calvin says five centuries ago. And then he explains how, how, he explains why it is that the Apostle Paul is writing this to the Christians in Rome, okay? Okay? And five centuries ago, he says this. He says about their rulers at the time in Rome, he says, these rulers not only all detested true godliness, but also persecuted religion with feelings of utmost hostility It seemed absurd, therefore, to acknowledge as lawful masters and rulers those who were contriving to snatch the kingdom from Christ, the only Lord of heaven and earth. Come on. This is us. We're restless spirits. We think we have to live above human authority in order to proclaim the authority of God. We look at our rulers, we say that our rulers are penalizing and persecuting godliness. And we say they hate religion. And they hate intensely the true religion. And John Calvin five centuries ago says that's exactly what was going on in Rome when the apostle Paul wrote this. That's that's why he wrote it, you know? Listen, we have to look at ourselves and see the gap between who we are and who we should be. That's the purpose of preaching. Do you remember the uh, saxophonist at IU Music School? Who is now a VP at Credit Suisse in Manhattan. Very bright guy. He got carpal tunnel, so he had to give up on the sax. And this guy kept thinking about, he was a college intern here for a while, he kept thinking about why it is that our church is filled with music students. And then finally he figured it out. He said, you know, it's because music students have spent their lives once a week going to their teacher. And their teacher always tells them what they're doing wrong. And so when they come to church, they expect to get the same for their money. (laughs) And if you don't tell them what they're doing wrong, they feel like they haven't gotten their money's worth. And so this morning, God, in his word, is going to tell you what you've been doing wrong. Okay? And that's why you pay me. I wish I were back painting and cleaning. Because when you get done painting and cleaning, you can look at it and say, ah, I did a good job. You know, a pastor never gets to say that until he retires. In other words, a pastor looks at things in 10 and 20 year increments. I don't expect you to go this morning changed but I do expect you to go this morning asking God to change you because you need changing, okay, just as I do. And no, I'm not, no, I'm not arguing in favor of hypocrisy, but I am arguing in favor of all of us having a little self-knowledge, a little self-critical capacity. So let me say this, we must not join the long line across history of attempts to avoid what seems to be this passage's plain meeting. There is no American exceptionalism allowing, let alone requiring, demanding that we disobey these apostolic commands. These commands were written to the citizens of the capital of the Roman Empire when Nero was its emperor. And so we may not justify our rebellion against these commands given the Romans and us today by saying they were written when government was good. But now when ours is bad, these commands don't apply to us. So what then is the plain meaning that Christians have always avoided from this text, all right? Well, let's take it from the top. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Now, let's, let's dive deep into this and get, get the very, very, very deep truths, okay? What does is, what is every person mean? Ah... Uh, I'm not sure, but I think it means every person. Uh, what does being in subjection mean? Oh, man. Be sympathetic to me. Oh, We used to have a rule that only I used this thing. You got this little mouse in your ear nibbling. You know, that's what it feels like. Oh. All right, okay, I'll stop. Um, what is being in subjection to the governing authorities? What does being in subjection mean? Well, being in subjection does not mean obeying. Being in subjection is much more than obeying because being in subjection is a posture. It's holistic. It is a way of living. Obedience is specific in act. Being in subjection is... A wife demonstrates her respect for her husband. I know it seems impossible, but I'm just saying, as Ali would say, you know, being in subjection is a posture. It's like anybody looking at you knows whether you have a posture of subjection. All right? So every person is to be in subjection to whom? Well, to the governing authorities. Now, here we can have a little bit of an argument about what governing authorities. People will argue whether this includes employee-employer relations, whether it includes um, household authorities, marriage, the husband. But I want to dispense of that and focus on what everybody universally agrees is clearly indicated because of the mention of the sword later Which is, it does mean civil authority. It means governmental. Nobody denies that. So, if you don't want to say it's anything else, you have to admit that governing authorities are those who are over us as citizens. And specifically, again, at the time the Apostle Paul was writing, the church in Rome, he was speaking to the Emperor Nero. Nero and those authorities under Nero who were then ruling from Rome to all the far reaches of the Roman Empire. This then is the command of God through his apostle Paul. Categorical. It's not listing the exceptions. It's categorical imperative. Then it gives the reason. It says, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So the word for is a placeholder for the word because. Because, why should I? Because there's no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. Be in subjection to the governing authorities because there is no authority except from God. Be in subjection to the governing authorities because those authorities which exist are established By God. From God, established by God. We are not to be in subjection to civil authority because we have consented to it. (laughs) Now, some of you should be getting mad right now. Did you hear me? I said, we are not to submit ourselves and be in subjection to authority because we have consented to it. Because that authority has the consent of the governed. We are not to be in subjection because we've adopted a constitution and that constitution delegates our authority to our properly elected leaders who then have the consent of the governed. God is not commanding us to be in subjection to our government because of any political process or theory. He is commanding subjection because of his own authority. Governing authority comes from him, not from the people. Governing authority is established by him, not by the people. Meaning of God's word is very clear. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. All those authorities that exist are established by God. Again, let me repeat that the most obvious and well-known authority over the church in Rome and the Apostle Paul at that time was the Emperor Nero, who was one of the most wicked emperors Rome had ever had in authority over them. Nero's name is a byword for wickedness in high places. And this is the authority spoken of by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to write, quote, There is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God, unquote. In plain speak, then, the people of Rome, including the Christians in the Church of Rome, are to be in subjection to Nero and everyone under him. Now of course, there are always many of us who are rebels and tell ourselves we're above our masters really and that we know better. We must protect proper authority by rebelling against improper authority. Of those authorities from God, whom he himself has established. We are smarter than they are. We know better than they do. We see their connivings. We recognize them for what they are. We're educated in their perverse ways. Other citizens may be taken in by our governing authorities, but not us. We must protect all the simpletons and little people by ourselves being insubordinate. That is what truth and justice require of us. We must rebel in order to submit. In our day, resisting tyrants is the path of submission. Are you laughing? It's absurd. Don't tell me that you honor this text of God. Nah. Nah. Just plain no. You know how many times I tell you, and this is largely because I know my own heart, that we live in the midst of an orgy of rebellion against authority. We hate the authority of Lighthouse. We hate the authority of the public education system. We hate the authority of the church. If anybody in the church corrects us, we say, well, I think maybe I'll have to find another church. (laughs) You know? It's like, seriously, seriously, you've got to find another church, huh? Yeah, there are a lot of churches out there I could go to where they would never tell me I'm wrong about anything. And I say, well, you're right about that, <laughs> you know. But I mean, what are you paying me for? Well, those men get paid too, and they just live nice with their congregations. You're not nice. I say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me. You find me another pastor who's as nice as I am in this town. And I know you're laughing, but I'm being serious. I mean, I'm gobsmacked about all of you. I love you. I love your children. Come on you're going to leave the church because you don't like what I'm saying? Who's saying it? I'm not saying it. I'm not twisting this text. If anything, I'm maybe not getting quite right what your excuse would be. Because I'm trying to get your excuse down in such a way that you recognize it, right? Right? We think to ourselves, the Apostle Paul wasn't living under tyranny. (laughs) The church in Rome had no form of government like ours in which authority is not from God but from the people. In which governing authority is not established by God but by the consent of the governed. This is what it means to be a democracy, to be a constitutional federal republic. Well, there have always been excuses given by God's people for refusing to live in subjection to our governing authorities. Which is to say, we have always excused our rebellion with a ton of self-justifications, many of which are quite wordy in political philosophies that sound educated and pious. The Apostle Paul does not delve into all the excuses the believers in the Roman church had for their rebellion, He just warns them of this. Therefore, whoever resists authority, verse 2, has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Come on! Does the apostle Paul have to deal with every objection, every if, and, and but that you can come up with before you recognize he is commanding you in the name of God? Every person is to be in subjection. Therefore, whoever resists authority. Every person. Whoever. I'll assume we all know this wording includes every person in whoever and whoever in every person. I know I'm going deep. I trust Then every one of us knows this includes us and more specifically me, myself, and I. Now then, what is the nature of this warning? Well, the warning is that if I resist authority, I have opposed the ordinance of God. I have opposed what God himself has established, what God himself has ordained. I have opposed the ordinance of God. So what will happen if I do so? I will receive condemnation upon myself. From whom will that condemnation come? From the governing authorities? Well, yeah, because we know later in the text it says they don't bear the sword for nothing. But from God himself, we say? Well, yeah, the governing authority is from God. And it's established by, it's ordained by God. And those who resist their authority are resisting his authority, and thus their condemnation is his condemnation. Calvin says that when we oppose the civil authority, we make war against God. And then this explanation of the principle behind this warning, verse 3, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. And this is the gift that keeps on giving during COVID. As a matter of fact, here Christian rebels come unhinged. <laughs> so I, I wrote up a couple of times here some dialogues, right? So I'm I'm trying to dwell in your brain and I'm trying to speak back to me and to Paul and to God. You're protests your objections, okay? So here, here's a dialogue. You mean, you, you know, you mean the Supreme Court of the United States and its ruling Roe v. Wade establishing the slaughter of our little ones was our rulers causing us, as they're governed, to fear evil behavior? You mean the establishment of sodomitic marriage is our rulers not being any cause of fear for the county clerk, who conscientiously refuses to grant a marriage license for two men or two women marrying each other. In our own wicked day, how could anyone claim the authority of God who is wholly just for saying that our rulers today, mind you, are not a cause of fear for good behavior, that they only are a cause of fear for evil behavior. Honestly, dear brother, are you completely crazy? We have tyranny everywhere, and that tyranny by our rulers is not aimed at those who do evil, but rather those who do good. Now, have I gotten it right? And here is one of the innumerable places where we must silence ourselves and one another. We cannot honor the Word of God by denying the Word of God. We say we are ruled by tyrants now, and therefore we must not be in subjection to our governing authorities. None of us must be in subjection, subjection to them because subjection further establishes the very tyranny. But remember that the apostle Paul was writing these commands, explanations, and warnings to those under the tyranny of that governing authority over the Roman Empire named Nero. Nero's authority was from God. Nero's authority was established by God. Nero's authority was ordained by God. Nero was not causing his citizens fear for good behavior, but evil behavior. Oh, man. Nero. The Apostle Paul, writing in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, continues in the same direction. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Again, the statement of God's truth does not surround itself with qualifications. In fact, it doesn't come to us with even a single qualification addressing those in the church in Rome who belong to Jesus, to whom God has delegated all authority in heaven and on earth, God asks if they want to be free of any fear of authority. Well, yes, of course they wanted to be able to live under the civil authority without fear. So then, says the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. And the statement is categorical. Those who want to live at peace with their governing authorities, unafraid of them, will find this comes from doing what is good. If they do what is good, they will have praise from their governing authorities. Now listen, dear brothers and sisters, did you really not know this? Did we not know this? Did we not know the path to living in quietness and peace under our governing authorities today is simply doing what is good? But you say, what? You mean Mayor Hamilton and his law enforcement officers will give me a star and my children cookies and milk. If we go down to the Planned Parenthood abortuary and cry out to the mothers that will help them through their pregnancies and if they don't want them, adopt their children, if they'll turn around and not go into the house of death and pay wicked doctors and nurses to murder their children. This is good work and we most certainly will not have praise from our governing authorities for doing this and saying these things. So have I channeled you yet? You know? Now, listen very carefully. Wise men of our time have exclaimed against what they refer to as our modern morbid habit of sacrificing the normal on the altar of the abnormal. Okay? The truth is that Roe v. Wade is abnormal. That's why it is so utterly heinous to us and shocking. That's why we fight it so intensely. Because the ruling authorities are to commend good not evil. And here our governing authorities have not only commended evil and opposed good, but the death toll from them now is in the hundreds of millions just in this country. You say, hundreds of millions? I say, yeah, I'm not going to get into the details, but trust me, it's hundreds of millions. In the morning service, the early service, we had Um, Lucas Week's mom and dad were back for a Sunday, Ron and Doris. And Ron's whole life has been defined by the Congo. And I think it may be accurate to say there is no more nation more lacking in the rule of law than the Congo today. If you know Ron and Doris, you know the conditions. This text from the Word of God is true of the Congo the governing authorities there are to be submitted to. God has established them. You say, well, have you read anything about how guys get into power in the Congo? Oh, yeah. Actually, I've read books about the Congo and books about Rwanda and books about the relationship between Rwanda and the Congo. (laughs) If you know anything about the history of Congo and how could you say that their their authority is established by God? I'd say, well, how did the Apostle Paul say about Nero? And about this time, what we do is we say, (laughs) you know, we're tired. And we say, well, that was then and this is now. You know, we go off into some post-millennial bong. You know what a bong is? You should have laughed. You know, it's like smoking dope and like going, oh, wow. (laughs) As we're stupefied, (laughs) you know. Can we just submit ourselves to the word of God? Can we just do that? So you say, well, are you telling me that when my husband tells me that I should kill our child, that I should submit to him because it says submit to every governor because he's established by... And I say, do you take me for an idiot? Well, you just said. And I said, no, I didn't tell you to kill your child. Really? Did God make you a man instead of an ox? so that you could play dumb? (laughs) You know, so that you could act as if you don't have a brain? You know? Do you think the Apostle Paul is telling you to kill your children because that's what they did then and expose them on the hillside and, you know, especially if it's a daughter? You know, when in China, do as the Chinese do? I mean, really, are you that stupid? You got such a kludgy mind. You've been smoking dope. past 10 years? Stop it. Smartify yourself. The modern morbid habit of sacrificing the normal on the altar of the abnormal. The Apostle Paul does not need to deal with your objections to get his point across, and neither does God. If this text makes you angry, that's because you're a rebel. And so repent, okay? I am not saying that there aren't times where we must obey God rather than man. Did you hear it? Did you hear me say that? And yet, why does the Apostle Paul not stop here saying, Now hold on before you go too far with this truth. Remember in Acts how they said we must obey God rather than man the modern morbid habit of sacrificing the normal on the altar of the abnormal. When they said we must obey God rather than man, that's the abnormal. The normal is we submit. We subject ourselves to those in authority over us. Okay? And I'm telling you, people, it's hard for me. It's so hard for me to do this. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) This last week, I was talking to somebody, and uh, that person, we were talking about somebody, and that person pulled up on his computer a list of the court cases of this person, and began to count down the number of times this guy had been busted for speeding. Okay? I didn't know this, you know? And he says, one, two... This is a real young man. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. About that time, he says, how is this guy still driving? And then there's getting busted for driving with a suspended license. And then eight speeding, nine speeding, 10 speeding tickets, 11 speeding tickets, 12 speeding tickets, 13. 13. I'm sitting there, and I'm certainly happy that a few years ago he wasn't looking at my speeding tickets. (laughs) Because don't we all look at speeding as, you know, a victimless crime. You know, I mean, we know better than, I mean, honestly, 35 miles an hour on Tap Road. I think that one's the center of my greatest rebellion in Bloomington, you know. I mean, and they used to have a school zone sign on Tap Road because of that school that's like three miles north of Tap Road. I complained about it. They changed it. I showed them how much of East Bloomington would be under school zone if you did that around child's elementary school. (laughs) And it was like, the whole way to the mall! I'm not saying... My son last night told me that he's joined a class action lawsuit against the government. (laughs) And the class action lawsuit is because the government has delegated to the phone companies collecting taxes. So that poor people living in the rural areas can have phones, universal service charge. But then the phone companies have delegated, redelegated it to contractors. And so the federal government has delegated its authority two generations away from itself. And so Joseph has joined a class action lawsuit. So is Joseph in rebellion? No, our government has set up procedures, the Apostle Paul did them. He appealed to Rome. It's, you know, the first Christian appellate, you know, uh, case. So how long do I have to go explaining, you know, you shouldn't kill your children. Yes, you can join a class action lawsuit based upon the Constitution against the government, on and on and on. How many of these exceptions do I have to deal with your before you're going to accept the fact that you're a rebel against the rule. That you don't have a problem with the exceptions, your real problem is with the norm, not with the abnorm. Listen, we hate authority in the home, we hate authority in marriage, we hate authority in the church, we hate authority with the government we're always coming up with the exceptions to the rule. We're always sacrificing the normal on the altar of the abnormal. Some of you are not members of this church because you refuse to ever submit to anybody. We had a man here in a recent worship service of this church who I used to be the pastor of the church he attended. I said to him once, why don't you join the church? And he said, no, no, I submit to Jesus alone. I will never submit to anybody but Jesus. So what is true of that man? What's true of that man is he has no submission to Jesus Christ. (laughs) Because if you say you love your brother, you love God, but you hate your brother, you can't see God. You can see your brother. You're a liar. That's what John says. And so if you say you submit to God, but you don't submit to those authorities that he has placed over, what Calvin says is that you make war against God. Okay? And the text is so very clear. The text is not running around, patting you on the head, saying, there, doggy, nice doggy, down doggy, down the text expects you to be men and women of integrity who recognize your moral agency and your responsibility and who also are motivated to recognize what is in your best interests. Because it promises that if you rebel against this, that you will suffer the consequences. <laughs> and so, you know, as they say, right? Knock your socks off. Knock your socks off. You know? I am absolutely aware that there are many exceptions granted in Scripture. But those exceptions do not subvert but they prove the rule. And we take those exceptions with fear and trembling for ourselves because we know the rule. The Apostle Paul also writes in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 2, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. The Apostle Paul writes in Titus 3, verses 1 and 2, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. And if we, as the feminists have done with the Apostle Paul, are inclined to say the Apostle Paul is not Jesus, right? Right? That he doesn't have the same authority, and so we put the words of Jesus in red, right? And we set up some sort of opposition between Jesus who loves everyone and the Apostle Paul who's really tightly wired. And like... Well then, here's the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter writes, 1 Peter two thirteen to 17 Submit yourselves... For the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men, act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. This last week I had my annual physical, which I look forward to about as much as I look forward to like a root canal. The only thing that makes it tolerable is that I have the most wonderful doctor I could have other than Adam Spadey. Dr. Tom, and so I go in there, and he's as bright as they come, board certified in a couple disciplines, you know, I mean, this guy is wonderful. He's meek, he's humble, he's wonderful, and instead of talking about my body, because there wasn't a lot to talk about, I mean, well, there. <laughs> it was depressing my weight, but I'm not going to get into that. You know, fortunately, that's me and the nurse. And so we talk about COVID. So I explained to Dr. Tom that I have spent much of the last two years trying to get my ghetto of the church, Reformed Protestantism, to submit to public authority. And I... You know, I I say that people are just so angry, so angry, and that I'm so tired of people being so angry, you know? And how many conspiracy theories they trot out and how, how convinced they are that everything's political and nothing's medical and nothing's honest, you know, and how they know better than everyone. And I'm able to say this in about a minute and a half, and then he, he doesn't get upset at all. He says, yeah, I know. He says, but what people have to understand is that in the hospital, we sit around a table. And he said, around that table are, and he names all the specialties, something like 10 of them. I didn't know there's two kinds of pharmacists. I don't remember who they are, but there's, Two kinds of pharmacists. And he says, when we get around the table, he said, we have done our homework. We've read. And we have studied. Well, this is Dr. Tom saying this. This was Adam's best friend in the practice of medicine. And he says, we're just trying to do what is right. (laughs) I'm looking at this guy, and I'm thinking I wish my congregation could look at him as he says that and listen to him. He's just trying to do what is right. And do you remember what Adam said at the very beginning of COVID? Do you remember? Adam said, no one knows. No one knows. And that's basically what he was saying. He said, you know, for instance, and he talked about this this, uh, stuff I can't. Inner, inner, vestite, or... What's it called? What's the stuff? Yeah, I've... What? Mectin. That's what I get wrong. Yeah, I keep thinking intervention, but it's ivermectin, okay? And he's, he's talking about uh, Bob actually took it, right? Before he died. And, and so we're talking about that a little bit. And he says, yeah. He said, I didn't have any problem with Adam taking it. He said... You know, it's it's not going to hurt them, but it's not going to help them. And so I say, really, it's not going to help them. I said, you know, I've looked up online, and there's a ton of studies. There's 60 studies, you know. And Dr. Tom says, yeah, yeah, we look at those studies. He said, but what you have to understand is that 50 of them are crud. He said, 50 of them, the, the 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 you know, all the methodologies are corrupt, not corrupt morally, just They haven't done their sampling right. They haven't gotten subjects that they haven't done double blind. They haven't done this. They haven't done this. So in other words, from a statistical basis, 50 of them are not trustworthy, right? He says that leaves 10. And of those 10 left, none of them show that this stuff helps. Now, some of you are really angry right now. I don't care. Doesn't bother me. But I'm going to tell you this. What came next was what was interesting to me. Because what he said next was, he said, but the government should not refer to it as a horse medicine. (laughs) He said, because it's not. He said, if you have scabies, you want intervention or whatever that stuff is. That's what we prescribe. And he says, furthermore, I hope that if we find that there is a certain time and a certain circumstance where it helps those with COVID, that we will prescribe it. Now, come on. Isn't this science? Can we not celebrate science? Science where people have some degree of impartiality and objectivity and everything isn't a conspiracy to them. You say, well, he's not an authority over me. <laughs> I say, oh, yeah, he is. You say, well, how? I say, well, you go in the hospital, you're going to follow the rules he and the other people at that table adopted. Or you're not going to get in the hospital. If you're a patient, you will follow their procedures for COVID. Adam always said that everybody doing their own study on the internet, it was largely an attempt to escape the authority of the medical profession. How do you think I feel when you go to conferences of real famous Christian celebrities and suck in their flattery so that I have to start from scratch again the next time you come home? (laughs) You know? You ever thought of it that way? Then he said, a number of months ago, he said there was a drug that we were giving for COVID. And he said, as we prescribed this drug to patients in the hospital, we realized, and all of us began to talk to each other and say, we're not doing it right. It should be given months earlier or weeks earlier. I can't remember. And he said, we're all saying this to each other. Then a study comes out in December that says, we're not using the medicine properly. It needs to be given earlier. Can we please accept the fact that there is an authority over us are stupid, are limited, and that does not give us an excuse to rebel against them and dismiss them. It just doesn't. It doesn't. And so I want to end with that story about Dr. Tom. I'll stand with Dr. Tom any day. Any day. And I'll stand with him when he's wrong, which is exactly how I stand with the federal government when I pay my Social Security taxes. I mean, I could name so many things I think the government is wrong about, and unlike you, I have the freedom of bowing out of Social Security if I want to, because I'm a pastor. But I, early in my ministry, I thought this to myself I thought, you know, If the federal government wants me to help take care of everybody else, isn't that their right? (laughs) You know? If I never get any of that money again, isn't it their right to take my money to help other people? Ah, yeah, I think it is their right. Okay? I'm sorry. Maybe that means that I'm an accessory to theft. Sorry, Eric, I don't know. You're probably flipping out at this point. But (laughs) you people, come on. I'm not telling you to kill your children. I'm not telling you to lie. I'm not telling you to steal. I'm not telling you you shouldn't join a class action suit against the federal government. But for heaven's sakes... Can we start with the plain meaning of the text and show an attitude of submission and stop telling each other how superior we are? Honestly, I'm so tired of it. Utterly weary of it. And if you don't like it, knock your socks off. Yell at me. I get yelled at a lot. And you're probably right in some points. But can we please submit to God? You say, oh, I submit to God. And I say, so you submit to the civil authorities. You say, well, not that. That's tyrants, 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 tyrant, tyrant, tyranny, 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 tyranny. And we are the Constitution. <sighs> and I'll yawn. And I'll go home and have a beer. <laughs> Father, we pray that you will make us submissive to you by making us submissive to men. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.